Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Roger Bell. Bell has done 23 22 to Roger. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What's going on? Welcome to Off the Bench. Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell hanging out here on a Tuesday long weekend. Yeah. Great weekend to sit and watch Ooh, college football because yeah. well the weather here in South Florida was garbage it so was. it was perfect just to sit on the uh, sit on the couch and watch games all week and it was finally here there were some fantastic finishes we're gonna break a lot of them down a little bit later in the show yeah but we first we got to discuss last night's debacle in Tallahassee because it was it's the Willie Taggart era I'm a fan of his thought it was a good hire they come out and the place is as hyped as it's ever been. And it just, early on, just was a thud and a dud. And it just, Florida State could not get out of their own way the entire night. And end up getting waxed by Virginia Tech 24-3. to Yeah, that was a bad way to start your tenure if you're Willie Tiger. That offense, um, I didn't realize that he had kind of schematically switched like who his DNA was. Like mm-hmm. he had been more of a, a power guy and... Yeah, he, he was, was under Jim Harbaugh up throughout his career. I didn't realize any of that, but I I ball test early with the offense. It looked a little discombobulated. Like it looked like you know receivers didn't really know where to be. They were in that four receiver stack. They were swinging stuff down the line. Like the defense was chewing it up. They looked like pretty pedestrian calls. Like they had the playbook or something like that. Um, and that's concerning, right? Like I, DeAndre Francois was was. What were his stats? He was. It was a rough night for DeAndre Francois. But he had two interceptions. But he's got talent. Like, oh, so I guess what I'm saying is, give him to us. Yeah. Let Miami get him. <laughs> no, seriously, because he can sting the ball. He made some good throws, but just generally speaking, um, that's one of those like, let's not talk about it, let's be about it type of things. Yeah. The atmosphere was electric. Everybody on fire, and then you come out, you're flat, and uh, you're not you're not producing. It could not have been a worse start for Florida State for a few reasons. One, you lose the game. Like, that's as bad as it gets. But I also thought you got outcoached. Like, it looked like Justin Fuente, who's done Dude. a fantastic job. He has one of the best defensive coordinators uh, in the country and Bud Foster. They came out with a game plan, and they – it did look like – you said it looked like they knew the place. And this is a new-look offense, so they must have gone back and been looking at South Florida tape and saying, all right, what are they going to do? And when you go up-tempo, when you go really fast, which is what Willie Tiger wants to do, you put your defense in a bind. If you don't get first downs and you don't score, your defense is going to be out there a long time. And I actually think Florida State's defense played pretty good. Right. Like, they, they were trying to hang on. They gave up a later touchdown in the fourth quarter, but they kept – Florida State in a game where it felt like, man, if they could just get something to happen, then Florida State would have opportunities, like the replay review one where you're going down in there and you that hurt, and you, you it would have been a touchdown, but you're trying to go with your philosophy, which is go fast tempo, keep them on their heels, and because you snap it, you don't get a review. There was the other when Cam Akers gets the 80 yard run, they go down there and it's just short, and then uh, the Virginia Tech player goes down with an injury, so yep. they're able to sub out, kind of catch their breath, and then Florida State can't convert that one. There were a lot of missed opportunities for Florida State. You know, I say this to like my son's football coaches when they say they want to play a certain way, and I, I say you don't you don't just play a certain way. What you do is you practice a certain way, and because you practice that way, it allows you to play the way you want to play. And to some degree, Florida State, look, there were a lot of situations where DeAndre Francois was at the line yelling at people mm-hmm. to get his linemen up and set. There was a lot of confusion. Again, it just looked like discombobulated all over the place. Confusion with receivers being set and ready to go. When you're a tempo offense, and you see a lot of them now, there's no yelling. Those guys are back up on the ball. They're ready to go. Right. But they practice like that. Mm-hmm. And I look, I'm not in FSU's practices, but if those guys can't 
hit the bricks, ready to go, and everything isn't, then I have to beg, it begs the question for me, like, have you prepared them to play the way you want them to play? And I, I doubt it because there was just too much confusion in what they wanted to do. I was there in the spring, sat down with Willie Taggart, sat down with DeAndre Francois, sat down with a lot of guys there. They absolutely are practicing at the tempo, but there's a completely different vibe when you're going in practice to when you're out in the field. It just is. It's just you can't simulate that environment. I know you have a spring game. I know you have a scrimmage, but it's just a whole nother animal when there's a crowd there, when things start really flying around. Yeah. That's when you've got to really try to keep your composure. Even when you go fast, like sometimes when you go fast, people just say go fast and they have like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off running around. It has to be a smart fast. Well, correct. And that's the problem. And that, that I think for Florida State fans who are in panic mode right now, cause they are out there. That's very, and, and there's some reason to be concerned. It's just like take a deep breath. This is a seven, six, seven and six team from last year. Just it's got it's gonna take time for them to get used to playing on game day at that tempo and and you know kind of inject Willie Taggart's philosophy into this program. It wasn't pretty, but it just relax. Don't jump off the ship. Just. Yeah, you gotta put a little perspective on it. The other thing I think that that kind of hurts them and what Willie Taggart wants to do is it's obvious he's not the same athlete right now, DeAndre Francois, as he was yeah. before. <clears throat> that leg is it's dragging. Like yeah. he could get up and and get ghost. You know, if stuff broke down around him and still make something happen, it didn't look like he had those type of jets last night. And maybe he's just, you know, at that point in his recovery process. I don't know that that's the final outcome for them. Yeah. But I think that hurts what they can do offensively, too. Yeah. So breathe deep, Florida State fans. It's the world is not coming to an end Bro. just yet. It'll be okay. Uh, we're going to break down the Canes. We're going to break down Bama, Auburn, all the other weekends, uh, games just a little bit later in the show. Uh, but NFL, there's a lot of news in the NFL. You had the Khalil Mack trade with the Bears. But it's all about the quarterback, Raja. Yeah. It's all about. And we had Nick Foles was officially named the week one starter. This to me, and, and we've seen, look, Nick Saban at Bama with the whole quarterback trying to be coy and not saying who it is. He finally comes out and says two is our quarterback moving forward. Doug Peterson has been chippy and salty with the media too. Why, bro? Exactly. Why? The media is just trying to do their jobs. And if these coaches would stop playing these games and not giving information to the press, then what do you expect the press to do? They're still going to ask the question. He could have erased this a couple weeks ago by saying, you know what, Foles is going to start week one, and when Carson's ready, we'll put him in there. But now that it's official, I do feel like there's a little bit of panic from Eagles fans, and the NFL is kind of having fun with Nick Foles. NFL like fans that aren't Eagles fans are saying, oh, looks like he's the old Nick Foles, the one who's garbage. How quickly we forget that a guy was a Super Bowl MVP not that long ago. I think they'll be fine. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think when Carson Wentz gets healthy, which will probably be in another three to four weeks, he's only been nine, nine months removed from his ACL. I think they'll be fine. Um, on the field, I imagine Nick Foles will have his ups and downs. I think, you know, you kind of captured lightning in a bottle a little bit towards the end of last year. And he had that really good year under Chip Kelly, but I think you kind of are who you are. You got enough of a sample size with Nick Foles. Like he's not Carson Wentz. Like we can be, we, we can agree on that, right? But I do agree with you in that they'll be fine. And no matter what that record looks like, as long as they don't lose every game before Carson Wentz comes back, he's done his job, which is hold the fort down until Carson Wentz is back. The last thing you want to do, if you're an Eagles fan, is jeopardize Carson Wentz's health 
and his future as your franchise quarterback. And essentially, you know, when you're coming back off of an ACL or any major injury, if you roll a guy out there before he's ready to go, that's what you're doing. And so I am always err on the side of caution, especially early in a season um, when you can still make ground up on the back end. The only play here in my mind was to roll Nick Foles out there. I don't care what he looked like in the preseason. Right. He was going to play football until Carson Wentz was ready. To and I know Carson Wentz has looked great in warm-ups. They show him on TV. He's out there doing those drills, running around. It's a completely different game when you're going from those drills to going into the ball game. Uh, with Foles, I thought Dan Quinn put it really, like, perfectly. Atlanta Falcons head coach saying, what are we going to do to prep? Because the Eagles are keeping it a secret. He said, if style was so drastically different, probably back in the day, and we were having this conversation between Jaws and Randall Cunningham, we might have this discussion, but these two guys are really equipped to run it in a similar fashion. And he's right. They're not, look, Carson Wentz is a little bit more dynamic in what he can do before he tore his ACL, but it's the same offense. It's not like they're changing. It's not like you're Flacco and Lamar Jackson right. saying, what are we going to do? So at least we have a clear uh, situation now. We know who it is moving forward. Uh, the Falcons, Debo hated this because I had the Falcons. Loved them at plus three and a half. The, mi- the line has moved to the Falcons are a plus two now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how if that line moves even more towards the game because people are saying, oh, no, they're in trouble uh, with Foles at the helm. Uh, they were 0-4 in the preseason, which I think is a little bit like no one's going to remember that down the road. But the Eagles have had this attitude of, ah, we won the Super Bowl. We'll be like, and that's your concern is that there isn't that sense of urgency that you might have had in a different season because you get like that fat cat mentality, oh, for like, sure. hey, and then you're like so chill that it can be it can work against you. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how they do as uh, trying to repeat. The New York Jets have named their starter Sam Darnold will be 21 years old and 97 days old on September uh, 10th. He's becoming the youngest opening day starter since the AFL NFL merger. This is a trend you're going to start to see more and more because guys are going to come out earlier. You're going to see more rookies thrust into starting roles than ever before. And I thought this was the right move. You moved on from Teddy Bridgewater, getting a pick for him, trading him away. Josh McCown is up there. And, yeah, he could come in and he'd probably be better for three or four games because he knows the system, because he's a seasoned vet. But the Jets are going to say, all right, this is our guy moving forward. Let's start learning with him and let's let him go play, which is the best learning opportunity for Sam Darnold's actually on the field. Um, once you decided that you were going to move on from Teddy, then it was obvious for me that Sam had to be the guy. Like, you're not going to roll Josh McCown out there. Um, I, I, I am one of the guys that I would have rolled Teddy out. Like, minus the draft pick, right? Like, if you, if you, if you weren't going to get compensated fairly to a degree that you thought was appropriate, then I would have started Teddy and let Sam Darnold have a few games to kind of get his sea legs under him and watch, get used to real game day speed and stuff like that, and then play him. But once you got compensated, then yeah, I say roll Sam Darnold out there. The only, the only thing that 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 I caution against when you're dealing with rookies or really young players is if if they fail early and they fail a lot and things around them aren't stable enough to help them, you know, manage a game, if you will. Like if it's all going to be on Sam Darnold and he's got a, a shoddy offensive line and he's on his Which back the whole be. game. Do, do, does the kid now have like? Is he seeing ghosts? Like, is he starting to like get happy feet? Have you have you kind of ruined him? If that's a season's worth of that, now not, right. not a couple games I got, but if that's going to be his whole NFL experience, just looking around wondering when he's going to get hit, that that could hurt somebody. I mean, look, you saw what was the kid's name? Um, it was David Carr's brother? Was it David? It is David, David Carr, Carr yeah. right? Like Derek Carr's, but yeah, Derek, yeah, he got shell shocked. Correct. He was sacked. Whatever the number was outrageous. How many times he got hit? But. I think it also weeds out 
who's going to be great and who can't handle that. Because Troy Aikman was on an awful team with the Cowboys early on. Yep. Peyton Manning started so, early on, and they were on bad teams, and they kind of withstood that pressure. Physically, I think, is where you don't want to get a guy hurt. And that's your biggest concern. But I think that, like, it's going to be ugly. Like, I have, I, of all these rookies that we've talked about, I like Sam Darnold, but I think he's going to have the roughest year because he has such a bad team. And playing quarterback a lot of times is about the situation you're in, who's around you. So the most important thing for the Jets isn't his stat line. It's not their record. It's does he emerge as your franchise quarterback? Does he yeah. show you enough in practice, how he handles those rough games, how his teammates respond to him? And then if you get that answer, no matter what the the record is, then you've got to feel like the season was a success. You want to see growth. Yes. You want to see growth throughout yes. the year for you sure. You want to see growth. You know where I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of growth? In Buffalo. <laughs> because this has been a rough go of it. I think they're going to regret trading Tyrod Taylor, moving on from him. They're going with Nathan Peterson. Nathan Peterson. Peter Min. I can't say You can't even say his name. That's a, yeah, yes. I was trying to go with like a, a five interception Peter Min or something. Yeah. That was a, see, that's what I get for trying to make fun of a guy for throwing five picks in his only start last year. They're going with him. I think it's probably the right mood. When you talk about these quarterbacks, there was some, you know, maybe Josh Allen would get the nod. Josh Allen has looked overwhelmed in the preseason, which is what we thought. Like, he was the greenest, most inexperienced guy who had shown inaccuracy and poor decision-making while he was in college. That just doesn't go away overnight. It's not going to go away in one NFL preseason. So for this reason, as much as you can have fun with Peterman's history, I think it's it's the right move, too. And clearly they liked what they saw last year. Do you remember they benched there's one guy, Taylor one guy on a good team? There's one guy who liked it. There's like a man crush or something going on. There there's is one something guy going who on. It. There is something that's a little bit peculiar about it. The fact that they actually gave him a start over Tyrod when they were a good team. When they were a good team. I just don't team. see that happen. Uh, so, again, I think it's going to be a rough year for Buffalo, too. If I'm a Buffalo's fan, like, Hannah, where are you? If, if I'm a Buffalo's fan, I, I'm pissed. I am. I'm pissed because you have no plan in place at that quarterback position. Having to roll Nathan Peterman out there um, speaks to that for me. And, the, and his only backup is, is a kid who, by your own admission probably, is not ready to play football in the NFL right now. It's going to be a rough start. The, the, the road is brutal. They're going the Ra- to the Ravens, Chargers, at Vikings, at Packers. Uh, this is a Titans at home. Maybe you have a chance in that game. Then the Texans. This is a one-in-five start at best. Yep. So... Good luck to Nathan Peterson. I, I I cannot say Peterson. this dude's name. Josh Allen will be playing probably by week four or five because they'll that, that's what teams do. Once it starts off and it goes off the rails, then they go, oh, let's put him out there. That's well, they, why I'm glad the Jets are just getting it over with. I mean, I guess my question would be, why not? I yeah, he's overwhelmed and he's he's looked overwhelmed through the preseason and and so, I mean, I guess that's just. Yeah. Why not roll him out? Why right. not? You're doing it with Sam Darnold. Like, he why not look, roll him I out? Think he could get embarrassed though. There's a, there's a, there's a difference. Okay. Like Darnold won't get embarrassed, but there was a couple plays this season when Josh Allen, the preseason just made some really foolish. There was the one in the first game when he's rolling around, like flips the ball like this, like, cause he was just <laughs> trying to do way he's too much. It. Like you gotta say, relax. Can't sky like, hook just it, bro. take it easy. Yeah. He was trying to make a miracle <laughs> pass. Those are the types of, cause then you become a laughing stock. Right. And you don't, I think you run the risk of that too. Got you. So in any chance, hey, we got a lot of new starters in the NFL. Uh, when we come back, Jamal Adams was talking some serious smack during the uh, LSU-Miami game. you got to hear that. I'm, I want to see our boy Rajah's reaction to that. I'm seeing Plus, me the Steelers. Are they going to get Le'Veon? We're going to hit on that next, too. Coming up next on Off the Bench. Uh, some NFL news. I don't. It's not really news, I don't think, yet. 
because the Steelers GM came out and said he was uh, disappointed that Le'Veon wasn't there on Monday. You think? You know, Monday was Labor Day. Like, yeah, people right. don't work on Labor Day. It was a day <laughs> off, right? We didn't have a show yesterday. For us, it, it was. day off. Right. Uh, Tuesday's an off day in the NFL, so I don't think you'll see him today. Wednesday, it's time to go to work. If Le'Veon's not there Wednesday, then I think it's a time, uh, a little bit of a cause for concern. It's a little bit more alarm. But Le'Veon has made it pretty clear um, that he's – He's, when he, when he, when they didn't, when they failed to reach an, a, a longer term deal and Le'Veon didn't get paid the, what he mm-hmm. was looking for, Le'Veon sent out a tweet, was like, Hey, we tried to do everything, but I'm going to give my all for the Steelers this year. And then, you know, we'll see what he didn't even like, kind of just kind of left it. Like, this is my last year. Um, I thought, I assumed he'd be in camp. Like, but then you've got to consider that you see Todd Gurley get paid. You saw Odell Beckham get paid. Yeah. You saw a lot of other guys get paid. I'm wondering where Le'Veon is mentally if all of a sudden he's had a little change of heart, but it's too late. You can't really, you can't do anything now. No, yeah. If you're, if I'm Le'Veon Bell in that situation and like, I feel like I've been slighted by the organization, we couldn't come to terms. I, if there's a clock, right? Like a countdown timer on when I have to be in the building, uh, before I start losing money. I step foot in the building with zero zero point one <laughs> on that clock, right? And so if that's Wednesday, then that's when I'll be in the building. Like I, I'm just, but don't give up Le'Veon. Don't give up no checks, bro. You don't get the checks back. No, so no. don't give up any checks. But I'm with you, um, in terms of like, you, you know, you guys couldn't work it out, and you don't have an obligation to be there before that. So hey, Wednesday it is. Hopefully, yeah. They're disappointed because quote he's not signed his franchise tender and rejoined his teammates. Coach Mike Tomlin and the coaching staff will continue to focus on preparing the players. On our roster for our regular season opener on Sunday against the Browns. The good news is, last year didn't play much in the opener, only 10 carries, 32 yards. The previous couple years was uh, suspended, so didn't see the field at all. There will be superior. So I'm assuming Le'Veon, kind of because he's been in this position before, last year in his camp, he knows how to get his body ready, knows how to get in football shape. There obviously will be some sort of learning curve as he gets up to full speed in the NFL, but you've got Ben out there, you've got Antonio Brown, you've got Juju Smith-Schuster, like you have other weapons on the offense, you got James Con- like you have yeah. other options to work with, so I don't think it'll impact uh, the Steelers that much. They open with the Browns, too, I do. which is always a good... <laughs> good well, that, that helps, but yeah. they didn't click, look, they their stuff was, I remember sitting here with you in one of those early episodes, and we were wondering about the Steelers, like it just wasn't, when Le'Veon Bell comes back, and he's playing the way Le'Veon Bell plays... That, that solidifies what they want to do there. Yeah. Right? Like that really helps click in that whole offense. The, o- the only other thing I'll say about Le'Veon Bell is like from his perspective, if he knows he's not playing with the Steelers next year, he's essentially trying to get through this year without being injured. Right. Right. You don't want any career ending injury. So you can't if, play that way though. But, and I'm assuming I, I would, if he doesn't, he's foolish. I would bet he's got some sort of longer term insurance. Yeah, but I mean, like the Lloyds of London, it, you know, of course. Kind of but I'm not saying that you play from down to right. down and day to day like right. that. But if you don't wind up playing a ton in the first two or three games not because you're not thing. in shape, it's not the worst thing in the world. That's two less opportunities, you know, to get injured. Right. So. And if to your point, they really, as much as we talk about Ben and Antonio Brown and the quarterbacks in the passing game, they are built. Their identity is to be able to run the football with Le'Veon. Yeah. When they get away from it, as they did last year against the Jags, was that balance? When Ben had six picks in the game, yeah. that's why Antonio Brown throwing a cooler and they're all upset because they realize the importance of running the football. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how much it costs in Cleveland. Like they're the hot team, everybody's favorite team. They're still an zero and sixteen team. Yeah. So you would think it would be an easy game. There is parity in the NFL, so who knows? Anything will happen. Bombshell news uh, over the weekend. Khalil Mack was holding out with the Raiders. 
There was a lot of discussion about how Gruden had not even spoken to him. He gets moved to the Chicago Bears, and it was surprising. I think I think it was pretty surprising. I think a lot, when I hear there's trade and the Raiders, I thought it was all them just trying to use that as a negotiating ca- right. tactic, right? Like they're just trying to scare Khalil Mack. And all of a sudden you're seeing that they actually do it. Um and that the Bears gave up two first or uh, get uh, gave up first two first rounds for it. I then it's like the harsh reality of it. Then you see Derek Carr is kind of upset about it. Other Raiders are speaking out. And then you saw Khalil Mack at his opening press conference being like, "Hey, I didn't I didn't see this coming." John Gruden was trying, he was taking a little bit of heat for it. And he's trying to back off of it a little bit. Uh, he said yesterday, I know there's some feeling that maybe I was involved in a day-to-day negotiation. I had nothing to do with it. We were at a standoff and something had to happen. And here we are. I don't believe we were anywhere close to where the Bears were. The Bears made us an offer that we thought was really unique and very, very tough to say goodbye to a great player. But here we are today. Um, John Gruden, you jack this one up from the very beginning i knew it was coming i mean i don't i'm becoming i'm not i told you so dude but i knew it was coming as soon as you told me that john gruden had been there for weeks and weeks and they hadn't had any conversations with khalil mack that is a red flag there is something going on there and the more distance uh and more time between them talking and the later you got in this there was only one outcome that was going to take place and that was going to be he had to be moved on from um and they're gonna they're they're not gonna he is going to be a, a, a really good player for a long time, yep. barring any kind of catastrophic injury or anything like that. He's a one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And Oakland, you guys, you guys dropped the ball on this one. Now you got a haul, two two first round picks. Um, you know, you you, you got Leo Max a happy dude because he gets the he gets the contract he wanted, which was clearly part of this deal. He gets six years, one hundred forty one million. Don't listen to that number. It's the ninety million guaranteed. guaranteed bro. That he gets sixty million at signing. Um. I always am a fan of going with the known over the unknown. So, like, would you rather have Khalil Mack? No, I, who the heck knows what you're going to get I would down much rather have Khalil Mack. You could, the two first rounds I get, but I would much rather have one that I know is an all pro right now. Yeah. He's, I mean, he was a defensive player of the year a couple years ago. Right. He's an impactful player. The only thing I, I don't know. I, I like it from the Bears perspective. They're aggressive. They just don't seem like they're that close. But yeah. they want to build there, and he's going to be one of their cornerstone, cornerstone pieces. They've drafted Roquan Smith out of Georgia, a yep. really special player. So that defense is going to be kind of stealthily, could be pretty good. You bring in Matt Nagy to shore up the offensive side of the ball. you got a young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. Before, a lot of comparisons have been made about the, the Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, you know, bringing those two together to Jared Goff and Sean McVay and what they did when McVay was brought in to do right. the same. Rams had instant success. Like, they're making this push. I was tentative on that comparison earlier, saying, well, hold on a second. They don't have Todd Gurley on that roster. Maybe on the defensive side of the ball, they're doing some things to take some of the load off Trubisky where they can turn this thing around sooner rather than later. So I'm kind of – I like this move from the Bears' perspective. And it's like that's the Bears' identity, right? When you traditionally yeah. think of Chicago Bears, you think of nasty defenses. And so – you know, you're, you're kind of appealing to fan base too with that. Like that, you're, you're establishing it from the defensive side of the ball, which is what you usually do in Chicago. Labor Day weekend's always a little bit tough for me because it's the anniversary of my last cut in the NFL when I was cut by the Denver Broncos. Another guy was cut loose by the Denver Broncos. And this was surprising to a lot of people because especially quarterbacks, you don't give up on first rounders. Like it's just, if you have first round in front of your name, like former first round pick, I was whoever, that. 
I did too. I they there. get so many opportunities and it drove me nuts. Cause if you don't have that, it's like, ah, we know he's not good. We're just going to toss him. Yep. Somebody always is out there, but you usually don't see them cut this quickly. Cause it was just in 2016. Paxton Lynch was uh, drafted the first round by John Elway. He's supposed to be a quarterback guru. Uh, just guru. after. Yeah, yeah, guru. <laughs> started something new, which I kind of like that way. Um, they've decided to move on from him. Right. You've seen him play a little bit, uh, in the regular season. I'll let you a little inside information I had. Not even information, but I met Paxton Lynch. Okay. When I was up uh, working at ESPN, he was doing the car wash, had him in, sat down with him. He was a different dude. Like, he really like, was what kind you mean? of a different dude. Um, so when he played at Memphis, I liked him on the field. Really, like, was a gunslinger mentality. But when he came in, he was kind of a little brash, a little cocky. There was just something off about him. And like he was really into like being famous. Like you tell like he had like a, like just a style about him. And there's nothing wrong. Like, hey, I like to dress nice. Like to have a little, you know, right. look. There was just, there was just something about him that was a little goofy, that was just a little different. And that's, I think it, a lot of times it can be your personality and your professionalism that will get you cut more so than the talent that they see on the field. Well, if you don't have the talent on the field, then you certainly don't want to be carrying yourself like that off the field. Oh, right. You want to be like, you want to <laughs> that, be, uh, like if you're a baller, you can go out and act do that. any way you want to. Right. You want to, you want, look, if you're not living up to the hype, you better be a blue collar, like film studying, flying under the radar type of cat. If the talent doesn't match, then you, you got it. You have to conduct yourself accordingly. Like I always said, the first round picks, it was the same in the NBA. Like, they will give you every opportunity to prove to them that you can't do it. Yep. And then guys like you and I, like, you have to prove to them that you can do it over and over and right. over again, right? right? And they're just, they're literally having to prove that they can't do it. So when you see a dude moved on from, like, this early, there's enough. They know. They're with him every day. He just, personality-wise or, you know, uh, uh Talent wise, yeah. like he just doesn't and, have. And what it probably has to do with is preparation. Like, what is he like during the off season? Does he work? Does he work hard? Does he work hard throughout the week? Does he help the quarterback room? Right. And the answer to that must be no. They tried to shop him around. He made the initial wave of cuts, and apparently they were trying to shop around to see if anybody trade for him. And everybody's like, nope. But to your point, because the first rounder, he will be signed before right. long, no doubt about it. All right, we got to break down the entire weekend of college football. It was fascinating. Some great uh, performances by a lot of teams and some really ugly ones. We're going to give you the best and worst of college football next. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. So I had an idea, and I've done this every year. I don't know why. It's not that big of a deal. But I am going to, and we're going to start doing it on here, too, on Off the Bench, where we do a top eight every week in college football. You know why it's eight? Because mm. it's the perfect number. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do it in top mm. four. We need right. eight. eight. So I was telling Debo and Mikey and Coca about my idea, because what I think the ranking should be based off of is who you've beaten, like your resume, it should actually matter. Right. So I didn't have Clemson on my top eight. I didn't have Georgia in my top eight. And because they played a bunch of cupcakes, Bro. those guys were oh, like, what are you talking about? What are you, like, what are you talking about? On yeah. there. No, because it should be on who you. So they can't week. get in until they no, play a quality no, opponent. No cupcakes. I, that's why I give credit to the You're, teams you're the doorman at the club right now. If yes. I don't show up with like yeah. a I'm gang full that. of girls, I can't get in. Exactly. No matter what. I'm putting that velvet rope up and you are not getting through right. until you bring. <laughs> so Clemson, if you're upset about it, yeah. you play college in Texas A&M next week and get on there. You'll, there'll be opportunities. It's week one. So that's why I do it. So don't bring the heat at me. I'll post those on Twitter later on. Uh, Alabama, just a little tease because I think some Bama fans might think I try to troll them or something. They'll be number one okay. because they 
looked the part. Um, they completely dominated against Louisville. Louisville was talking all kind of smack. Bobby Petri- from the head coach Don't too, like guaranteeing wins and we're going to go. Exactly. Why wake up a team that's already like going to probably smash you better than you? But, exactly. Yes. And it's not even close. They, it's been really kind of comical how much the quarterback discussion has been going on with Bama. There is zero doubt. And Nick Saban finally came out yesterday and said two is going to be our starter, but. You basically just had Tua go out there and solidify the deal. He was 12 of 16, 227. It's just, it jumps off the screen at you when you watch these teams play that Tua is the better quarterback. And it's not, it's not a diss to Jalen. It's not like quarterback competitions unfold all the time. There's a guy who's better and there's a guy who's not. And it's clearly number 13. Bro, this cat is better at Jalen at what Jalen did. He, he moves better than Jalen did, right? Jalen, he does. He's got escapability like in the pocket. Um, he can throw at all different kind of like, what do they call them, arm angles and off platform. Like he's got some, no seriously, yeah, no, he's he got does. some Aaron Rodgers-esque like qualities about him. Plus he, he throws the hell out of the ball. I, there was a small sample size for me. I was not a like bought in dude, but some of the ball placement type of stuff he had on some of those quick, look, you got a bunch of weapons. What you want to do is get the ball to the weapons in stride, in positions where they can make plays. Like, this dude's on the money, man. I'm a, I'm a Tua guy. I was doing a post-game radio show at the National Championship and watched that second half unfold, and I still have the same belief that I did now because I was like, this is a scary thought for everybody that has to try to beat Bama because Nick Saban throughout his tenure has always had pretty much game managers at quarterback, right. and it's – restricted them on offense like they've been pretty one-dimensional they've only been able to run the football try to dial up some big plays now that he's got an absolute stud at quarterback good luck trying to beat bama like good luck everybody else right trying to do it like they could rattle off because they won last year they could rattle off three national championships in a row Mm. if this kid continues to to fit the bill to look the part that he has there still got to do it and I'm sure Nick Saban doesn't want to hear anybody start, you know, hyping up his team, but they are going to be close to unstoppable with a quarterback who can play like that. Uh, so that'll be crazy to see how that unfolds. And thank you finally, Nick Saban, for saying he's the guy, he's the starter. Uh, Notre Dame, Michigan played Saturday night. Jim Harbaugh brought a lot of hype. Come on over. Come on, come on. <laughs> what come on, come you got on, for come us? On, come on. Notre Dame over, out with the win. Come on over. <laughs> like, I need people to get on this Jim Harbaugh overrated. Come on, let's go, bro. There's room on the bus. All right, I'm going to defend Jim Harbaugh. Okay, All right, I'm going to try to right. anyway. It has been ugly. He's lost some good teams. I don't think that was an embarrassing loss. Like, I think the Florida State Willie Taggart loss yes. was rough. Like, yeah. that's like... Miami's oh. loss was ugly. Yes, Those were embarrassing. I loss. agree. This one, I think they had a chance to win in the fourth quarter. They had the ball with a couple minutes left to potentially tie it up. But Michigan fans don't even want to hear that. Like, they want to hear, well, where's the, where's the, where's the delivery? Like, well, you've been, we've been promised a lot of things. Eight and eight in his past 16 games with Michigan. That jumps off the, uh, the page at you. He's 28 and 12. Most importantly, he's one in five or one in six against Ohio, uh, Ohio State and Michigan State. Yeah. And the one win against Michigan State like was the year when, yeah, they were garbage that yeah. year. It's, it's a little bit alarming, but the crazy thing, Michigan could still win out and could still go to the playoffs and nobody's talking about this. So week do, one. do that. I'm predicting that. Though. Do that and I'll hop off my stance. <laughs> All right. Yeah, seriously, do that and I'll hop. They've never finished above third in the division. Five and seven versus ranked teams. Zero oh and five on the road. Um, and while they had a chance to win the game, um, you know, I had a chance to be six nine, and I wound up six five. Like it didn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like they lost the game, and so 
you know, the, I thought the defense was all right. Another guy whose offense, like clearly, I'm not a football guy, but there is an eyeball test. And when I watch his offense, like it just looked like they're stuck between like what they want to do, who they want to be. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, and I know you've made some accommodations for Shea Patterson, play out of the shotgun many, a little bit no. more, but he's in shotgun a lot, and that's not what typically like Harbaugh wants to do. But right. it just, again, it looked like there was no like flow, like mm-hmm. there was no rhythm, there was no identity to it. And then that I, when a coach, when you look like that, Danny, I don't blame kids. When there looks to be like no identity and there's no rhythm to it, that's not on kids not performing. That's on a coach like not having established the culture and what we're going to be and how we're going to do this. And so that all falls on him. Great coaches utilize the talent that they've got. Mm-hmm. Like they don't force their system, their style down the throats of all their players. They'll maximize the potential. True. I don't think you saw that out of Michigan offensively with Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson can run around a little bit. He can scramble. They should be doing things to utilize that athleticism, or he's just going to be sitting in the pocket running around for his life. And they were playing playground football. Like, that doesn't work. The the things that are concerning, the record is concerning, especially considering during the same time period, Ohio State, since Harbaugh's 8-8, eight and eight, Ohio State's 14-2, and two, Wisconsin's 15-1, and one, Penn State's 13-3. and three. Yep. Those are the other teams in the Big Ten. That's what should have you concerned. But... With Harbaugh, he's supposed to be this offensive guru, <laughs> as you like to say. Well offensive done. guru. So yeah. he's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer. Yeah. Where is the development of any offense? Like the offense looks antiquated. It looks like he's playing the same offense that he played when he played at Michigan, and that's not a good thing. The game evolves. It develops. And they just don't look like they have a plan offensively. So that's to me, is the reason why Jim Harbaugh should take in more heat than, than anything. I think you're going to see a tremendous amount of heat on Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't get this team turned around, I don't know if he, if he lasts at Michigan because you're seeing former players come out and blast him. You're seeing, shoot, we had David Sampson on here and predicted right here on off the bench that he's done after this season. You got boosters with a ton of influence are kind of over it. Yep. Harbaugh throughout his career, four years has been about the tenure because he kind of wears on you because he has a unique personality right. wherever he's been, wherever, however much success he's had. Shelf life on him. Year four right here, so we'll see how it goes. With no that. doubt. Uh, over the weekend, did you have a uh, candidate for most impressive college football team? Most impressive. Um, Alabama, Oklahoma, lit up FAU, yeah, that Ohio State, that lit up count. Oregon State, LSU. LSU was impressive. LSU was probably the most impressive. I mean, Bama was the most impressive in terms yeah. of – Complete package. Yeah, but LSU was way better than I think anyone gave them credit for. I was worried about the game. I thought Miami would win it. I knew that LSU was going to come in with – Big, physical, athletic dudes. Um, and I think that they were more impressive than, than anyone because I just didn't see them coming to the degree that they, they whooped up on Miami. I'll go with Oklahoma. Kyler Murray looked completely comfortable. He looks like he can blaze a yeah. little bit. And Lincoln Riley, you know, just they, they were completely overwhelming FAU throughout the day, but they looked like they have not missed a beat. And they, I think they're a sneaky team because the Big 12 is down. I know Coke is big on West Virginia. A lot of people are. West Virginia had a good win against sure. Tennessee. Oklahoma just looks like they're in a different class than everybody else. Least impressive, Penn State struggled against App State. I don't think that – everybody. it's the 11-year anniversary of the Michigan loss. App State is a different program, yeah. and they're a better team than they were when they knocked off Michigan as the FCF uh, darling. So I think if you're James Franklin, you just take the win and get the yeah, heck I think out Penn of there. Move on sleeping. to the next one. Texas – that might be one of the ones, although they were in a tough spot playing against the Maryland. Yeah, we talked about that one, yeah. Yeah, that they could beat. Uh UCLA, Chip Kelly's first go loses to Cincinnati. Uh Your Hurricanes were – but that's a good LSU team. I'm going to nah, go with Florida bad. State because of the way it looked. Yeah. 27-3, to 
it was it was just ugly. It was and it wasn't there. It just and at home you're playing at home. You got to keep that game closer. That, than you did. The only reason I would say that the FSU loss was worse than the Miami because Miami looked like Miami looked bad. Right. Uh, was because it was at home. It wasn't a neutral field type of situation. Uh, yeah. That's got to hurt. Twenty-four to three. My bad on that one. Keep screwing these things up. Uh, let's get over to Hannah because I think she has some huge bachelor news. Hannah, is that what we're doing here on Off the Bench? Bachelor. No. What's that? I've never heard of that. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I only watch Off the Bench. That's the only thing That's I pay right. attention to in the morning. So I have no news for you guys. But I actually have some not so great news for your Canes, Raja. So uh. last year it was Miami's turnover chain, but now there are some new turnover trends on board. I don't know if you've seen these yet, but first on Saturday, Boise State's turnover thrown. Looks like it might be the next big thing like in college football. I don't think I love this. I don't. I don't like the throne look. There's a lot of schools I never would have picked. Boise State. Right? Okay, with so, the so then Memphis added their own little flair to the trend nah. too. This one is called the Takeaway Robe. The team unveiled nah. this this weekend. It looks something like what a WWE star would be wearing. So Raja, I never thought I was going to say this, but can we just keep the turnover chain and that's it? Yeah. Well, somebody else can have the turnover chain because we clearly don't deserve it anymore. So I'm trying. Yeah, we gotta give it up for at least. A couple oh, games. here's why I like the Ric Flair robe. Uh. Do you know where he's from? Born in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. So they're kind of tying in Ric right, Flair right, right, history. Gotcha, I, gotcha. So I kind of like it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have to talk about Clay Thompson for a minute because in his offseason, he has been living his best life. The Warrior Star has been keeping busy. We've seen pics of him riding a camel. Then we saw a picture of him right here. He's posted up with T-Mac Mello and Luke Walton. We even There he is on the camel. Guys, we even saw some photos of him riding horses overseas as well. Summer Clay is truly an icon. Is it bad that I'm almost disappointed that the season begins in a month and a half? <laughs> uh, no, hey, look, the NBA summers are great. Oh. Like, they're just, <laughs> right? I don't know. I miss you're NBA summers. You're young, you make a boatload of money, and you get, like, four months just to do, like, to, to travel the world. And Pete, fantastic. And not only do you travel the world, but most of the time, it's people, like, wanting you to come do something. So they're paying for you to travel the world. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. the best. There was some video of him riding a horse, and it looked so uncomfortable. He was like, horse. I don't know if he was goofing a little bit, but he was, like, really, like, giddy up and, and no. just looked kind of Awkward. I wouldn't mess with a horse. <laughs> Too big to be on a horse. Bro. No. <laughs> All right. That's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up next, Danny and Raja break down today's leftovers. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench. <laughs> I love your reaction to that <laughs> graphic right there, that little sound. I love it. Uh, let's do some leftovers. So, uh, Jordan Mailata. You ever heard of him? No. I hadn't either. I kind of remembered reading about him, uh, during the draft process. So he's an Australian rugby player. He's six foot eight, 346 pounds. Oh. The Eagles took a flyer on him. They're like, Hey, why not? The guy was working out. Looks like a monster. Took him in the seventh round. A lot of seventh rounders you never see make the squad. He had never played a snap of football before getting selected in that seventh round. Clearly he's a punter. No, he's, right? he's just lineman. a huge punter, right? Offensive lineman. You he's, can't be an offensive lineman without never having ever having played organized football. If you play rugby, you can. Here's the thing: like I actually, he so he made the team and not like practice squad. Right. He made the 53 man roster. The lineman, the more athletic you are, and right. the fact that he did play rugby. Like if you watch rugby, there's nowhere to hide. Like you're oh. gonna have to be able to run. You're gonna have to be able to move around. 
he's he's got some good feet. Like I think he could help this Eagles team. It'd that's, be a fantastic. Like the NFL needs more stories. No, it's like a dope. This. It's a pretty cool story. And they should be scouring the world for talented guys like this because it's pretty cool. Uh, Ross Tucker, a uh, buddy of mine, uh, does a lot of work at NFL Network and other places. Said he thinks he'll be an All Pro. So it's like that. That's pretty high. I didn't know that. I'm not going all in on that. No, but I hear you. But, but you know, you add some depth to the offensive line. Why not? And I don't. You tell me if you think I'm crazy. Yeah. I think you can get guys with better work ethic that come from another culture than the U.S. You know, like, yeah, I'm not no, Australia is this great one, but a lot of times you see guys with different perspectives that come from outside. They, they come in and they're ready to work. Yeah. There's a much more appreciative of some of the opportunities at times. Yes. Yeah. I could, I could make a case for that. And generally speaking, uh, to the point you just made, like you want in the NFL, you should be scouring the planet for anything like six, five, three hundred. That right. is super athletic. Right. It's not playing like basketball. Like right. you could use that. And an offensive lineman, it's the, the athleticism part is probably not as hard for them to do as getting the rules of the game and the playbook and all that. But if you got somebody who's smart and you can teach them, right. get them in there and do it. Uh, do you know who's number one in the FedEx Cup point standings in golf? Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, 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 look at you yeah, on it. Uh, yeah, I, I know that. With the hat. Like I like the hat. He's yeah. got, he, you know, all his golf clubs. Same are length. The, same exactly. I want to try that. I do too. <laughs> right. I have You're a tall, like you probably have, do you have an extra, like are yours longer? Mine are an, an inch extended and like a degree and a half upright, I think. Right. Play them. Right. Um, but I, I struggle. I try it. I'm much, I like, look, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of golfers are like that, right? Like I like my seven iron. I can even hit the six pretty well when I, when you like, and you start bending over more because yeah. you have to adjust, get down to the sand wedge Correct. and pitching wedge and all it that changes the whole dynamic. It makes a lot of sense from like just a common sense standpoint. Like if you have the same swing every time you want a repeatable swing, mm -hmm. try to do it. He's only 24 years old. He's a baby. Uh, and he's looking to make a charge two weeks in a row. Uh, should be fun to watch there. Uh, He's like science, like he's like Bill oh, Nye, yeah. the science guy, right? <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. Or at least that's, I know somebody like a company that was what they wanted to portray. Him oh, okay, as. So maybe, they, they yeah. had him up there with it, but he is, I think it is, it right. is a scientific approach to it. Um, there's nothing worse than getting cut. Mm -hmm. Like that's the meanest thing you can do. Somebody is mess with their mind when it comes cut day. So the Packers tight end, Robert Tanyan got pranked about being cut, which I'm fighting you. And like if I'm going cut? down there, no. So he was with a teammate when he got a text that came uh, from the Packers facility and said, "Bring your iPad." Oh. That is, you know, as soon as you get that call, you're you know you're done. Mm. Thought he was getting cut, even though the text was a bit odd because it wasn't a phone call. Right. So everyone with the Packers was excited to hear him. No one in the organization sent him the text. He was happy to be a random number and prank. But they still haven't tracked down who it was. I'm with you, bro. I'm fighting. I mean, I'll right? fight every one of you. I, mean, until I, I, I vividly remember sitting there all day in Denver, kind of, I had a hunch I was going to get cut, but you still like don't know. And then I saw the call come up and I was like, Oh, I knew the office number. And I was like, Oh man, I was like, this sucks. I told my wife what was going down. I'm like, this is it. And she's like, yep. And I was the other thing. I'm like, don't make me go all the way out. It was like 20 minutes. Just cut me on the phone. Like I, all this stuff about, Hey, you got to be a professional and do it in person. Yeah. I don't care. I don't need the three minute meeting where you can tell me, Hey, we're sorry to let you go. Just save the time. Those are some of my I'll worst FedEx cuts. the playbook. Um, I got cut. San Antonio cut me. The first time it was probably 99. No, Atlanta had cut me the year before. San Antonio wound up cutting me with the last cut. But in San Antonio, since I had already been cut in Atlanta, uh, with like a week to go and I saw the numbers getting really low, 
after practice, I would shoot my shots, my extra shots, and then I'd just go grab my stuff and go to the car, and I would shower at the hotel because I was like, you ain't cutting me today. Like, if you catch me when I come back tomorrow, but you ain't cutting me today because I'm leaving. Like, they could have just called me and cut me if they wanted to. And then in a, in Atlanta the year before, the way he cut me, we were coming home. We had played a couple preseason games, and I was getting to come back to Miami. And I'm assuming Lenny Wilkins knew that I was from Miami, as did, like, the, the general manager. So they were flying private to Miami to play the Heat. They cut me at the airport before we got on the plane to come to Miami, made me go back to the hotel, and then fly, like, public transport in Miami when I got back. Oh, uh, it's... It was ugly. It's the... It's your feeling. You're like, you drop... The, the one... Actually, one of the better cuts I've had. Well, it was surprising because the first I got cut twice by the Broncos. Mm-hmm. One time I was cut, and I was the I thought I had made the team as the third guy. So I was thinking I was good. I was right. like, I'm in. But Mike Shanahan was one of the first coaches to go. You know what? We don't need three quarterbacks. We can go with two, which was a brilliant thing to do from a 53 man roster perspective. Which I wasn't. I didn't love hearing that because right. I meant I was right. the third man out. But he said. Stay healthy. If you, if something happens, you're our guy. You've, you know, you're the third guy. So I go fly all the way back to Florida, start watching, you know, games, looking for an opportunity to sign another team. Sure enough, three weeks into the season, Jake Plummer gets a little shoulder injury. At halftime of the game, I'm watching on TV. Yeah. I get a call from the GM. He says, get on a plane. You're coming back to Denver. Oh. Well, they don't always end in a bad way. Yeah, but they still suck. <laughs> yes, it does. The worst. Movie.